What's up, everything? A resurgent week for the Blues sees them with three wins in a row, two against division leaders. But not all wins were created equal, and we'll talk about the highs, the lows, the luck, and the goaltender that brought them six points. We'll also talk about some league news as the World Juniors begin to wrap up and the trade rumors begin to heat up. It's going to be a loaded episode, so let's get started and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. We are recording here live in our spacious studio on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Is there an Upper East Side of Manhattan? I think that's the ocean. Oh, well, then we're (laughs) in the ocean. Uh, We are here on Thursday, January 4th of 2018. And we have no, my voice got real high there. We have no <laughs> real New Year's resolutions for you today. Uh, but how was your New Year's, Ian? It was other good. person. It was good. I forgot to tell you at all. I played a little rock band. Oh, on did New you? Year's. I got real good at drumming. Uh-huh. And by real good, I mean I could play medium <laughs> to 4 4 time. As longtime listeners will also not know, I enjoy rock band quite a bit. And am, you know, the world's greatest a virtuoso. So, uh, I make a Fisher Price guitar look like a I better don't know, Fisher Clark Price and guitar, guitar <laughs> a Johnson and Johnson guitar, <laughs> some slightly more reputable company. Uh, so that's good. That's a good way to spend New Year's. Hmm. I uh, was just at home because New Year's bores me. <laughs> so it's safer to be at home. Yeah, that's true. We had to take an Uber, and I have. My Uber was sober, but I was afraid of the other people that were driving. (laughs) The other Ubers, of course. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So, New Year's and the holidays are behind us, and we have nothing but the trade deadline and a second round exit to look forward to. Uh, Uh, But it's been a good week for the Blues. We shouldn't be negative. Pump it up. But before we get started with that, we'll talk about uh, some other people it's been a good week for. For one thing, it's been a pretty good week for the NHL. Uh, They hosted their annual Winter Classic on New Year's Day in New York City at City Field, home of the uh, New York Mets. I almost called them the Milwaukee Mets for some (laughs) reason. Um, And the Rangers took on the Sabres and beat them 3-2 in overtime. In what was a very good game, I saw uh, most of this game, big chunks of it at least. I know you did not. You were still recovering from New Year's Eve <laughs> and the Uber experience, perhaps. But uh, mm-hmm. it was a good game. It was a really good game, especially considering that the Sabres are not a good team and the Rangers are not an exciting team. Yeah, I think it turned out to be pretty good. The Rangers built a 2 nothing lead early in the first and the... Savers slowly sort of chipped away at it, and uh, it ended up being real fun in the overtime winner. It was kind of cool because both of them are sort of home teams. I mm. mean, the Rangers more so, but it's New York State, so it was cool. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting that I guess we can talk about real briefly is before the game, they showed the pregame like as the guys got fired up to walk onto the field, so to speak, the mm. ice. 
Uh, and they showed Phil Housley the, uh, is it Housley or Housley? I think it's Housley. Uh, the Sabres coach pumping the tires for uh, the Jack Eichel experience. <laughs> I was like, what, what can you even say uh, as their coach? And they were, uh, they flipped to the other dressing room and lo and behold, it was Kevin Shattenkirk uh, filling the same role for the Rangers, which was interesting to me for two reasons. First of all, I liked Kevin Shattenkirk here and I know he had the uh, alternate label, the mm-hmm. A on his chest, but I never felt like he or really anyone was a player leader for this team, and maybe that's just the nature of this team. I know he was well-liked and well-respected and had lots of friends, but I never felt like Kevin Shattenkirk was mm-hmm. the guy you turned to in a crisis or whatever, yeah. you know? And on the flip side of that coin, how starved for leadership were the Rangers <laughs> that this guy's been there for two months? I mean, granted, he's been an honorary New York Ranger for like two and a half years now. But yeah. He's been there for two months, and suddenly he's the guy that fires you up as like Ryan McDonough on vacation or something. Well, it's weird because I think maybe after that game, or mm-hmm. maybe it was before, sometime in the last week, Elaine Vigneault came out and said that Shankirk was like a work in progress. Like, those were his words hmm. for, like, how he was playing. So I know that doesn't necessarily mean you're not a leader, but he's kind of like, hey, this guy needs to step it up on the ice. This guy's terrible. But I do think I actually remember there being some behind-the-scenes thing for the Blues mm-hmm. where they showed, maybe it was the road to the Winter Classic, where yeah. they showed Shankirk was the guy that read off the lineup. Because oh, I, cool. I think in that Schwartz article... I think it was, what, by ESPN, mm. where they were talking about Schwartz and his sister having cancer. Yeah, that and sort was of the, Wyshynski, yeah, 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 the background. I believe they said that Shattenkirk handed that duty off to Schwartz. Oh, That's cool. where he was saying they didn't think he could read. Oh. <laughs> Schwartz, that is. Uh, and it's still, it's still a debate to this day. So that was, I think that was what Shatty was doing here. So maybe he was a, um, maybe he was just more of a Maybe he's a creative type yeah, person. Yeah, creative, but... I'm good for him. I've I've gotten over the mild bitterness I harbored towards him for not approving yeah. nicer trades for Zach us. Zach Sanford skated and, today. Uh, hey, you know, so, so there you go. <laughs> coming right down the pipe, baby. He's going to have a 20-goal season. Never. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, good for him. I wish uh, I have literally no feelings towards the New York <laughs> Rangers. I nothing them. So I wish him absolutely nothing. I, I know it's probably not weird for other people, but I always associate the Rangers with the Yankees uh-huh. and the Islanders with the Mets. Mets yeah. So it was weird when they said City Field. And I was like, won't you just shouldn't you just play at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, that is true. I think I think New York definitely in all of their sports has an A team and a B team. There's mm-hmm. the Yankees, Rangers, Knicks, and Giants, and then there's the. You know, the Mets, Islanders, Nets, and Jets. Oh, yeah. And I know it hasn't historically been that way for football all the time. They flip more than the other three, I think. But mm-hmm. And the Islanders have lots of history, too. But in our lifetime, <laughs> at least, it definitely yeah. seems like there's the A squad and the B feels. squad. And maybe the part of that's because of who played at Madison Square Garden and who didn't, because I think mm-hmm. those two teams at least did. But in any case... Cool for Shattenkirk, and of course he's from New York, or he's from the area. He's not, actually. As we always remember, he's from Connecticut, which they just call part of that area. Might as well Uh, be another borough. But he's a huge Rangers fan, so maybe it was just a cool nod to him, too. 
Uh, it was a good good game, though, good atmosphere. I really still love the Winter Classic. I love the jerseys. I love the Sabres jerseys this mm-hmm. year a lot. Um, it's just fun. It's not – I saw somebody uh, tweet out, are we over the nostalgia of this game yet? I don't know who it was. And I, I don't know if nostalgia is even the right word as much as uh, – oh, Excitement, you know, anticipation. Yeah, excitement. There's another word I'm forgetting, but novelty. That's the word yeah. I'm thinking of at the once-a-year game, but – I just like it. It's fun. I'd like it more if they didn't do the stadium series. Yeah, yeah. If or it was read, really once a year. Yeah, or someone on Reddit pointed out it'd be a cool idea if they tried to go through every team before recycling them. Yeah, that might hurt some ratings. You know, bigger ratings, hard, yeah. but it would be kind of cool to, to pair see. them off well. But it does suck that the Blackhawks yeah. get every other year, pretty like, much. I always feel like someone like Columbus should get one. Oh my god! Could or you something imagine like that. the Ohio State Stadium? That yeah. massive. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good game, and next year the Blackhawks face somebody again. So I don't even know off the top of my head, but mm. it'll be boring. <laughs> um, and the Blackhawks will probably lose because they're really bad in outdoor yeah. games. Um, another person who's having a good week, uh, although not as good a night tonight, is uh, Jonathan Mercerso, uh, the cleverly or intensely named, difficultly named Mm -hmm. uh, forward for the Vegas Golden Knights, who signed a six-year, $30 million extension uh, earlier this week. Um, We talked about, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, recently, about how uh, it would be interesting to see going forward how the Knights handled their unexpected success and the level of their unexpected success. and how they decided to build a core out of a, a whole bunch of players that uh, were on one-year deals or different, you know, short RFA terms, whatever. Uh, and it looks like with Mercer Show anyway, uh, they've decided to make a commitment to a guy who's going to be probably their core player and one of the faces of their franchise moving forward alongside... Uh, either or both of Flurry and Neil if they decide to and can keep them long-term, and then Cody Glass and some of their prospects as they uh, evolve and become Mm -hmm. NHL players. Uh, What do you think about this signing? I mean, I think it's a slam dunk for the Knights, uh, but what do you think about it before I go too in-depth to my thoughts? No, I think it's a a really good signing. I was kind of just actually looking up his previous stats from when he played with uh, Florida last year in Tampa Bay for, I guess, pretty much just half a year. He was there for two years, but he really only played for like half a season there. But this is definitely a signing where at first it looked like, it's still a bargain, but at first it looked like a crazy bargain. Mm -hmm. But looking at his historical stats, um, two years ago when he was on Tampa Bay, he only played 45 games and had 18 points. And so last year is when he took off with uh, 51 points, which was 30 goals and 21 assists. So you would assume he can probably continue on that sort of trajectory. You'd think he was a 50-point player, and for Mm -hmm. that, I think it's a really fair deal. Um, If he eclipses that and goes higher, hits 60 points, I might not say 70 for him, but you know, a really solid 60-point player, I see this as being more of a steal of a deal. I mean, it's $5 and we'll kind of quote this every time for the next year that someone gets signed, but it's in the Connor McDavid era Mm -hmm. a five million dollar deal is probably going to be hard to come by for someone that's not less than a a third liner i'd say yeah and i think that's a really good deal for them and like you said especially moving forward 
that doesn't I mean they have a bunch of cap room anyways with mm-hmm. a bunch of players coming off so they've already set themselves up nicely for the future yeah agreed I think it's uh like I said a slam dunk uh just because of everything you just said the the thing with Mercer show is uh he's not one of these players who comes out of nowhere you know and just uh not to pick on him too much but the Pat Maroon type mm-hmm. Where it's like this guy was never expected to be a huge star and Mm -hmm. suddenly he's got, you know, 50 points or whatever he had with McDavid uh, last year. Uh, This guy was always expected to be a high skill player. I mean, he went undrafted. Mm -hmm. But when he was with the uh, Blue Jackets and the Lightning before Mm -hmm. he got to Florida for his breakout season, he was always a skilled player, but he was on lower lines, mm-hmm. you know? So think of Dimitri yeah. Yaskin, if you will, not similar profiles yeah. of players, but we've seen Yaskin step up into bigger spotlights and play better than when he's relegated to our yeah. fourth line. Well, on Tampa and that stack team, you're right, yeah. he's going to be buried down there. Yeah, and even even Columbus, even though this was a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot of skilled forwards, mm-hmm. and to you have to kind of, chisel your way into that mix if you will Mm -hmm. so there's a good reason for him to suddenly be having a breakout i think like you said in the mcdavid era this can't be a bad signing really like Mm -hmm. you know unless he just falls utterly off the map which is true for any sign you know any signing ever Mm -hmm. um it can't be a really bad signing that they're looking back on with disgust they drafted i mean he was one of the guys that they drafted with excitement, you know, he mm-hmm. was one of their big pieces when they did the fantasy draft. Um, he's made uh, Riley, Riley Smith. Smith. I was trying. Yeah, I, I was blanking on the last name. Uh, he was making. He was making Riley Smith look like a really good player again. Uh, who the Panthers basically unloaded on these guys yeah. for the contract. So. Uh, he's with Gallant, who he seems to have chemistry with. I just think it's a really good signing for them. And I think, more importantly, it nails down that piece where now they can build around. Not that not that Jonathan Mercer shows necessarily the caliber of player you want to be like the centerpiece star of mm-hmm. your franchise, just because he's, you know, maybe a 1A or 2A mm-hmm. liner, you know, 2-plus. That was a mixed metaphor, but like <laughs> a, a really good second liner or a low end first liner type of player. But uh, he's definitely a good young piece to work in there cheap and have uh, at that price. So uh, the World Juniors have been unfolding in Buffalo, and you talked about them a little bit last week. Uh, do you want to update us on what's been going on in the last uh, week since we've spoken yeah, to we these can, microphones? <laughs> yeah, we can sort of touch on. What happened today and sort of where all the Blues prospects stand. Mm-hmm. I actually think I missed Nikolai Craig Christensen, but I believe he had two goals. Nice. from what I remember. So that's fine for a team that did not get relegated. No, they did Norway not. Norway was in a best of three uh, after getting finishing. Denmark. Or Denmark, sorry. Denmark was in a best of three against Belarus mm-hmm. after not making the quarterfinals elimination round. So... You, there's an elimination round for the top eight, but then the bottom two would battle out in a best of three, which is, seems kind of interesting, a way to do it. To get replaced by Kazakhstan. Yeah. So, yeah. Legendary hockey powerhouse <laughs> and renownedly cold country. I was like, I guess. 
Uh, Denmark ended up, yeah, taking the first two games, so Belarus got bounced. Mm-hmm. But in more interesting news from this uh, tournament, Sweden beat the U.S. today in the semis, 4-2. to two. Uh, The U.S. tried to kind of make a game of it late, scoring two goals with the goalie pulled on both of them, I believe. But, of course, it was too little too late, and they ended mm. up losing 4-2. And Canada then stomped the Czech Republic this evening, 7-2. to uh, The Czech Republic kind of stunned everyone by uh, beating Finland the other mm-hmm. day in the quarters. They had pulled their goalie late. They tied it up. They took it to a shootout, and they won. Um, but you just didn't think the Czech Republic were going to have much of a chance against Canada. I and mean, they didn't. You didn't really think they had much of a chance against Finland mm-hmm. either, so who knows. But, yeah, they most certainly did not. The finals are tomorrow on Friday between Sweden and Canada at 7. There would have been your third relegation game tomorrow, but they don't need that. And I believe then the bronze medal game is tomorrow, so Mm -hmm. you fight for poop last. Hey, you know. You know, you get that bronze medal. (laughs) I play too many many games, video games, where the the lowest level is a bronze ranking. So it makes me think bronze, even though it's third Uh out of everyone, feels like last. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Although, as you mentioned, for... The Czech Republic, that would be a big game. Yeah, that's true. Although that's a good point. the likelihood of them beating the U.S., an angry U.S. team, mm-hmm. seems slim. But that's true. we thought that against their last opponent, <laughs> too. So. so we have, I touched on uh, Craig Christensen a little bit there, but our really our big three uh, prospects here. Costin finished the tournament because Russia was limited by the USA in the quarterfinals two days ago. He's tied for third uh, in points with eight, five goals, three assists, and a plus seven, which across is pretty impressive. Across the tournament, you mean? Yeah, across okay. the whole thing. And uh, he was named one of Russia's top three players in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't know if in any particular order, but I'm, it may have been like third star. But that's still pretty good for a kid that's 18, I believe. He might have turned 19 in this time. Uh, Cairo is currently in second for points across the whole tournament with nine, which is three goals, six assists, and a plus one. Mm-hmm. And then Thomas is currently tied for fifth with six points, one goal, and five assists, and a yeah. plus three. So nice. that's that's still pretty good. There's a lot of I'll, – I'll give it to you being tied for some of these is a lot of people at mm-hmm. that level. But actually, Kyra does sit alone at second, so that's pretty nice. impressive. Um, I think a lot of his points have come on the power play. It's nice to also see Thomas with a boatload of assists. I mean – you like to see assists and goals out of anybody, but Thomas being what he's slowly being touted as more and more as like a really complete center, you yeah. want to see those assist totals be pretty high, and that's what he's doing. And I think he's only getting ice time that's under maybe, I don't know, 13 minutes a night, so mm-hmm. that's still really impressive for a kid that's probably one of the youngest in the tournament. Yeah, agreed. Um, so I, th- I think one of the cool things about the World Juniors in general is it's kind of this sandwich between players whose names you might know who were just drafted for the most part last you know summer mm-hmm. and players whose names i mean you may know if you're really into hockey prospects but players whose names you're getting to know who will be drafted next year so we've got you know our three guys mm-hmm. who have been making a splash that are all drafted we've got guys like casey middlestadt of uh, who the Sabres drafted eighth overall this year, who are making big impacts. But then you've got, you know, Rasmus Dahlin that you get to see for uh, Team Sweden, who's expected to be the first overall mm-hmm. pick. So I think that's a really cool showcase for 
uh, the NHL and or well not the NHL specifically but for players that will be NHL players and I just think if you love love hockey you should be watching this tournament because yeah. a it's more hockey and b it's the future of hockey you know it's yeah it's, it's a really cool showcase for the best that young hockey players yeah. have to offer speaking of watching it though I'm not entirely sure what the background is on this but it is in Buffalo but they showed some of like the stand shots of mm-hmm. these games live and there's very few people at these games hmm. i don't know if they're priced out if buffalo is just i mean buffalo got hit by like a crazy amount of like effect snow like yeah. i think a week ago that's probably a lar- large but it does it. seem it does seem a little odd we'll see what happens in the finals yeah. especially them bordering canada how many mm-hmm. how many canucks come down yeah that's true it'd be a cool atmosphere to go to and uh st louis was actually that's made right. a heavy push to be the city that hosted with the Scott trade improvements, mm-hmm. and they fell just short to Buffalo. And I think it switches from Canada to the U.S. every year, maybe, but mm-hmm. maybe it goes ne- internationally I think next year it's in every once in a while. But I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, St. Louis host one in the not too distant future once the arena's all wrapped yeah. up and finished. And if they did, that'd be really cool. And I'd definitely, I'll say it. We probably need a cup trek out together. Yeah, probably. Wait, Although wait, Buffalo yeah. ain't won a cup any time. That's a good point. <laughs> so, uh, good point. So speaking of prospects and the kinds of players whose name you hear at the draft and in trades, uh, we <laughs> have one more topic. We stumbled there. Uh, we got We want to discuss uh, before we move on to the games, which is uh, kind of the trade rumor mill that's starting to churn slowly but surely, Get as psyched. it always does this time of year. The trade deadline's February 25th, I want to say. 26th. 26th. Yeah, that's a Monday. Okay. That's all I remember. Excuse me. No, uh, I'm sure I'm wrong. Now. No, no. It's late in February, not quite the 28th. So uh, teams have about six weeks, seven weeks to uh, make any final additions they want to to their rosters. We've already seen some big trades this year, most notably the three-way deal that swapped Turris and Duchesne in pieces between the Senators' ads and uh, Predators. So uh, focusing specifically on the Blues, um, well, before we get to that, it came out today a rumor that uh, Anthony Duclair, who is a young, um, talented, but stop-and-start, struggling sort of winger for the Coyotes, uh, it's hard to know how much of that is him and how much of it is environment, but in any case, uh, he has reportedly requested a trade uh, off of that sinking ship, and he's <laughs> in the final year of his RFA deal uh, and not producing at a high level so one would think he'd have uh some uh limited ceiling for what he could return fetch as a return in a trade mm-hmm. if they decided to move him uh, our friend garrett kochner asked us on twitter uh what we thought of him as a player and sort of what we thought of him as a possible uh addition to the blues so I guess I'll go first on this one and just say I th- I like him I think he would be a nice a piece to add if the price was right and uh, fairly low in terms of overall, you know, what we're giving mm-hmm. up. But I don't think he's necessarily any sort of answer for us. I think he gives us kind of more of what we have a lot of already, which is sort of weird middle six depth that's not really mm-hmm. a second liner, but could be too skilled to be a third liner. He mm-hmm. has 13 points this year. 
Uh, he had 15 points last year, although his season appears to have been shortened by injury. Uh, his one big breakout year was 15-16, when at age 20 he scored uh, 44 points, which was 20 goals and 24 assists. Um, it's hard to judge anyone on the Coyotes this year. I mean, they're really a train wreck mm-hmm. of a team, uh, so I'm not really holding that against him. But what do you think about uh, Duclair as a possible option for us? Uh, I only like it if we just take like a flyer out on him. If we're yeah. giving him, say, I was saying earlier, like Schmaltz, and just because Schmaltz is unproven at this level, I mean, just has played less games uh-huh. than Duclair, like a pick, like a fourth or something, mm-hmm. because anything more than that this guy is like you said is more of what we have maybe he rebounds on a much better team and gets you know hits that 20 goal Mm -hmm. mark again but that's no guarantee and if i'm making a trade i want more of a guarantee or if i'm making a big trade that is so i'd give up very little for him but it'd be interesting it'd be it might be fine to round out the bottom maybe if we're trading for him to take the spot of say I don't know, a Saboka or somebody that mm-hmm. we're then trading to someone else for something bigger. Mm-hmm. That'd be fine, but I don't see... If that's our only trade or our only move, blech. Yeah, I agree. I think that's about the right place to land. Cool addition, especially if it's cheap, but not something mm-hmm. I'm wild about. You know, he's a third-round pick, so it's not like this guy's had sky-high potential all his career. Mm-hmm. Um, two other names that are... Uh, churning certainly uh, more and more frequently and uh, have been linked by various people to the Blues are the Senators Mike Hoffman uh, and the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, Max Pacioretty, also known as Patches. Um, We've talked, I want to say a little bit about Hoffman uh, as a potential target for the Blues that we're not totally sold on Mm -hmm. uh but he has real good speed both of these guys actually have real good speed which is a very big plus i would say for us Mm -hmm. uh what do you think about those two names as a link to the blues i i like these a lot more um i like hoffman hoffman's a three-time 20 goal scorer he's gotten 27 in a season 29 and 26 and he's probably on pace to hit around that this Mm -hmm. year too that's something we need more of. Again, a left winger. I know we can toss him at right wing. I think someone said historically he's kind of played all over the board, but he is a or he is a left hand shot still, so yeah. it doesn't really help us in our righty sort of stuff we got going on here. Um, Patches I like too. I mean, I believe he's a four or maybe even five time thirty goal scorer, four which, times in a row. Yeah, which is pretty season. nuts. But right now he's going on like a huge, huge, huge basin as far as points go, and even goals. I think he scored one goal in his last, I want to say, it sounded like 18 games. Mm-hmm. It's something real small. He's got like eight goals on the season. So maybe you're able to get him for a little bit less. I mean, I know I'm sure Montreal's going to try and sell you high on the guy. Yeah. Show him, show you what his you know body work and go, look, we need more for especially our captain, who they don't care that he's their captain. He's American. He's he American, speaks no French. Don't. Care. They yes. so want that guy gone. Um, this guy has been leaving uh, for Montreal for as long <laughs> as he's been in Montreal. Yeah, I'd take. I don't him. know how they ever appointed an American their yeah. captain. They must have just been desperate at the time. Yeah. I say I take him as if he's bad. Well, I'll, I'll take Pacioretty. I just don't. I mean, I guess that's kind of my theme for all of our trades, and I'm sure everyone else would agree because it's a pretty bland, easy statement to make, but. 
I don't want us trading anyone big mm-hmm. for one of these guys. I think patches might work better for us, only yeah. because I think that's this is a slump that I think he bounces out of. I'm not sure how old he is at this point. Early 29. 30s? 29, okay. Mm-hmm. So... And his turn, I think I'd have to think of the contract again. Four and a half million. There you go. I'm asking you all these years. questions. He's on the ball, folks. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Yeah, as we're speaking. That's really good, though. I think that'd yeah. be, does he play left wing? Give me some more things on this guy. <laughs> what are some other things about Max <laughs> Yes, I believe he is a left winger. I meant to remember that one and forgot, so let no. me look that up. He is a left wing, left handed shot. Are there any uh, right handed no, shots? No, that's why I mean, does this exist? Um, it's so weird. Uh, but yeah, he. Uh, Patches is a guy I personally am in love with. And I think it's one of those situations w- where my heart's more in it than my head. Mm. Um, I've just really liked his game for a long time. I love that he's fast, but also physical. Uh, he puts the body on people. Um, I think a change of scenery will be amazing for him just in terms of the pressure in Montreal is off the charts. Uh, and I think he would do well to get away from it for a while. With that said, like you said, the price has to be right. And the uh, argument from the Canadians is going to be this guy has the personality of a captain, the mm-hmm. talent of a 30-goal scorer, and the contract of a second winger for a year and a half, second line, yeah. third line player, uh, and they're going to demand the moon from him. Now, I don't think Doug Armstrong has a trade in his entire career where he's really gotten fleeced by the opposition, um, and I don't expect it to start now. But I think with both of these guys, it leads us into sort of a bigger question that we have, which uh, revolves around what our philosophy should be right now. We ran a poll on Twitter, which we enjoy doing a lot just to kind of gauge you guys as listeners' temperature on, you know, we have our own ideas, but it's always good to hear the people we communicate with on Twitter and what they're thinking. Uh, And we just asked sort of what uh, the options, which of these options appeal to you in terms of the Blues' approach to the trade market. And I was surprised to see they all got votes. Uh, So the four options were trade for a rental, uh, a hockey trade for term, uh, a whole hold pat, so just stay where you are and play out the season, and then sell and rebuild uh, with youth. And um, trade for rental got 25%. Hockey trade for term did get the majority of the vote at 56 uh, But hold pat got 13%, and sell and rebuild with youth even got 6% of the vote. So... Uh, Obviously, something Blues fans are split on, and you and I were having a text message conversation on this and kind of disagreed Mm -hmm. to some extent on some of the finer details, but you were just talking about how maybe it's best right now if we keep the, especially with these big three guys who are tearing up the world juniors Mm -hmm. and are probably within a year or 18 months at most from their NHL debut, maybe it's time to... Uh, just kind of wait and see, hmm. you know, and see where we get with those guys. And I think I like that strategy, but I I think it would have to come with sort of a selling period. Yeah. And I don't think Armstrong's going to do that. I don't think he'd, for instance, pull the trigger on selling Stastny this year as a rental. Uh, even not. though he did it with Shattenkirk last year, that was a very different situation. I think I've revised my my stance slightly in that. 
I feel like if we're talking like Costin and Kairou and Thomas is our big three. Mm-hmm. Thomas, you can trade anyone, and so if it's a really good trade, then yeah. trade Thomas. But to me, he's as close to untouchable as far as the prospect goes that we have. I'd be willing to trade a Kairou or a Costin. Mm-hmm. I'd be a little hesitant. Well, there, I don't think there's any trade where they're like, give us both. And we're like, oh, for sure, you know, no problem. But yeah, I'm hesitant Connor to... Connor McDavid, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hesitant to trade, or even if they're in two separate trades. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hold on to two out of three of those guys, yeah. one of them being Thomas. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I also agreed a little bit with your stance where yours is more like we've been, you know, the Blues always have been holding Pat. That's kind of <laughs> like their... Their team motto might as well just be like 2018-2019 Blues, come hold Pat with us. Mm -hmm. And I can totally get on that train, too, that we got to do something. And I can feel it, too, because we mentioned it last uh, podcast that Nashville went out and made a trade. Teams in our division do this. Mm -hmm. Teams in our conference do this. If we want to move up, we can't just think, well, you know, we'll get the bounces this time because it's not always that. We talked about it before that sometimes it's a – a skill differential or a youth, you know, a youth differential. And I'm not saying we have to wait for, you know, our young guys to come up, but we just need to trade some of these, you know, older mm-hmm. senior level guys and maybe a few prospects for a guy that might be in his prime or is, you know, just leaving it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree uh, just overall, and I don't want to go too much longer on this, but I just think Thomas, you'd have to get the moon in return. For Thomas, I don't want Thomas gone just because there's a pretty good player mm-hmm. on a pretty good deal. You'd I almost think, yeah, you'd Thomas, almost think you'd have to trade Thomas and something else big to get me yeah. my big John Tavares or whatever. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I was literally going to say, Thomas is in a sign-in trade yeah. for John Tavares, not even just a trade for Tom- John Tavares with the you know time expiring on his contract. I feel like we're um, high, but we're not high. This is true. No, I this mean, I just we've been looking for ever a for a first a legitimate first line center. We paid seven million a year for Stastny, and he didn't pan out to be quite that level of player. This is the best shot we've had at it since then, mm-hmm. and he's just skyrocketing up people's you know respect and and prospect boards. I've yet to hear a Blues staffer say anything about. Putting Matt Wing the start, yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is a miracle. Uh, so I was just I, I value that extremely high, highly. I've said before, and I'll say again that of the three Kairos, the one I'd be quickest to let go, and maybe it's totally unfair, but I just have the tie ratty fears. <laughs> he's and got that he's, gene. He's obviously he seems more talented in like a higher profile prospect. Yeah, yeah. A small guy who scores a ton in juniors just scares me intrinsically. Now. <laughs> so, and how long did we wait for Ty Ratty here saying, you know, this is the year that he comes up and makes an impact, and then he just barely no ever even cracked into the NHL? So, I think Koston is as sure of a sure thing as you can get. Whether his ceiling is maybe more of a patches where he's like a really good player, but not a Mm-hmm. you know, elite, elite player, or if he's higher than that, I don't think he's much lower than yeah. a really good player. My, either of those guys, we t- just talked about Hoffman patches, like that tier of player. And so if you want to tell me I'd trade him for one of those guys, if he's like the headliner by far, I still don't love it, but I yeah. maybe do it. 
I will um, say this before we like end on this. Yeah. We don't have to circle back and talk about it too much, but if we get patches for some, I was thinking about it. Patches, Stasny, Steen sound. I don't know. That could fail, but it also feels like a line of like same aged people that yeah. like play kind of the same game that would just like gel so well together. Yeah, I like that. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think of those pieces, patches is the one I guess I want. Um, and we even talked about maybe when we were having this long conversation, maybe a rental is a better option for us right now. Yeah. Just because if the price is low, much lower to get like an Evander Kane and just see where he fits, yeah. then maybe over the summer you have more time to explore things, especially with our cap hit and everything. Uh, but I don't really love that option either. I think the option I love more most is either having the guts to sell a little bit and just wait for next year with these guys or the year after even Mm -hmm. if it takes that or making that big unexpected kind of eric johnson-esque where did that come from sort of move that was so much that really shakes out the roster and you wake up one morning and you're just like it's a different team you know (laughs) so i don't expect either of those to actually happen i think uh, hockey trade so. with term is probably the one Doug Armstrong, our longtime follower on Twitter, voted for himself. <laughs> but, um, uh, we will see and, of course, cover that uh, as it comes. So uh, the Blues played four games since we last spoke, and it is my cu- privilege to uh, discuss the worst of them that also has some of the more intricate details to talk about. So uh, the first period of the Blues game in Dallas against the Stars, their third game against for- former coach uh, Ken Hitchcock, Uh, was weird more than it was anything else. Uh, The first period saw no scoring. I think the Blues looked all right, uh, pretty good overall, and uh, it finished with the Stars having 30 shot attempts, mind you, not actual (laughs) shots, to the Blues 22, which is not, I wouldn't say lopsided as far as attempts go. I mean, it's a little bit, but it's not wildly Mm -hmm. swung to one way or the other. Um the second period, I said, would be uh, the moment that defined this game, and it didn't end up being, but only because there were too many like wrenches thrown in the works, <laughs> but it kind of still was. Uh, what happened was the Blues got a five-on-three early uh, because uh, they were on a penalty already, and Shore cross-checked uh, Pareko early in the penalty. Um, and it was just... Oh, no, Shore did the first penalty, and sh- uh Patern high sticked Shen twenty three seconds in, and it's just we are terrible on a five on three. Uh, we had a minute thirty seven on the five on three, and we could not score. Um, I have some stats here. I'm trying to find them, but we're just not. We're really terrible on the five on three. I know we've scored. We've had like six plus minutes this mm-hmm. season. You ever notice our like defensemen or our one high guys like out way too high? I don't know why. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're guarding the blue line especially on a five, on on a five three. on three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so we um, had the minute thirty seven. We wasted it. Tarasenko was on the point again for at least some of the time. Mm-hmm. I just I don't understand that ever. But certainly not five <laughs> on three. It seems like 
more often than anything, and we're not actually we're going to cover the power play more in the next game, but mm-hmm. it seems like we have pucks like bounce past players that are there more often than mm-hmm. is possible. Like they just get over or past people that should stop them and out of the zone. And then the other one is when we somehow pinch a guy to one side of the zone, that's when they immediately rifle it around the boards and let it get out on the <laughs> other side. We're just bad on the power play right now. So uh, the Blues squander their five-on-three, uh, six minutes and 38 seconds of total ice time and have not scored in a five-on-three this season. Um, and very shortly after that ended, uh, Matthias Janmark scored his eighth goal of the season, assisted by Spezza and Honka. Julius Honka, um, and uh, this it was just you know this was what would have defined the game had the weirdness not unfolded in the third period. Uh, the stats about failing on a five on three are very there is a very strong correlation between that and losing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we lost. <laughs> so we've we've helped those proven. Uh, there was a weirdly long delay. We'll talk about more later uh when the refs who were terrible all night were trying to get a call right on Sabotka and they eventually sent Bergwin to the box when it was definitely Sabotka who'd done the penalty <laughs> but the whole thing that Sabotka did started because they missed a high stick earlier on Sabotka and he was like mad at whatever player high high stuck him yep. high sticked him <laughs> and so he was going after him so it was really strange uh proceedings in the second but not nearly as strange as what would happen in the third um where uh which started off with a really strange play where tyler pitlick interfered with colton pareko uh clearly interference should have been a clear interference penalty where he kind of cut off his mm-hmm. path around allen to the net and ran into him uh, and pareko hit allen pretty hard and allen's head uh hit off the post pretty hard um, Jake was down for a while, and uh, there was a, a, a delay while they checked on him, and I think he took the next uh, period, you know, the next yeah. play, and then when, as soon as there was a stoppage, he came off and gave way to Hutton. Um, and shortly thereafter, Tarasenko scored uh, his first five-on-five goal in ages, uh, and shortly after that, Tage Thompson scored his second goal in the, of the season. So we had two goals in... Uh, 65 seconds to go up two to one, and you thought maybe uh, we would <laughs> be good, but we weren't. Um, Jake came back into the game uh, ten. I think he only missed about nine minutes of ice time. Yeah, real short. Um, but this ended up being a very bad decision, and one that uh, Mike Yo, to his credit, took all the blame for. He says, "I think that looking back on uh, the decision to play." Alan, that was a bad decision by me. I think I put Jake and the team in a bad position there. Uh, the thought process was that Jake had been really good. We thought that he was fine, but the league made the call for him to come out, and we got word that he was fine, so we put him back in. Again, that was a mistake on my part. It's unfortunate for players uh, because they played their hearts out tonight, which I'm not sure I'm convinced by. Uh, but in <laughs> any case, um, when Alan came back out, there was a really strange play where Alan misplayed a puck and then sort of tripped on the heel of Stastny, who was behind him. And unlike when uh, the Blues' opponent's goalie is down and out, uh, the Stars took immediate advantage of that and scored a goal. Jamie Benn put it in. Um, 
Joel Edmondson said, uh, I called for it. I did a shoulder check, but I didn't see Ben coming. I'll take the blame for uh, that one. And uh, Jeremy Rutherford described it as, excuse me, Allen was playing the puck behind the net uh, when he made a pass to defenseman Joel Edmondson, who had his back to Ben. The Stars captain stole the puck from Edmondson, uh, then circled the net and scored. Um, So that was the tying goal and a strange situation. And then there was a terrible uh, officiating call near the end of the game that gave the Stars a totally undeserved penalty. Um, And uh, they immediately scored. Alexander Radulov scored his 13th and then later his 14th goal of the season on an empty net. And that was the end of the game. Um, The weird thing about the last goal, just to mention quickly, not to dwell on an empty net, but there was a long shot towards the net that caromed off the post, and Radulov, you could see him just skate past two defenders, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if they'd given up, assuming that the first one was into the net, but it was not a good look uh, for our defense. So, just to touch briefly on some of the storylines of this game, um, the biggest one here, and I think I think we have a little leeway to do this because I feel like we're never the guys that are blaming the ref. Yeah. Uh, but it felt like the officiating here was really bad over across the board. I kind of look as, at officiating in hockey as sort of a plus-minus system almost of like who gets the right calls and who gets the benefit of mm-hmm. generous calls and like the plus-minus and the goal is to be at zero when the game ends and if you're a a minus one or a plus one, either way, it's not too big of a deal. Uh, but I'd say the Blues were like a minus seven on this <laughs> overall. Uh, they missed a cross check on Shin uh, before our first penalty in the first period. Uh, they missed that high stick on Saboka that led to Saboka roughing uh, during a commercial break, which then somehow led to Berglund being sent off. Uh, they missed the obvious interference on uh, Pitlick that led to Allen being injured and sent off in the first place. Uh, Stastny got a penalty when uh, he was kind of doing the stinky mitt to another guy who was mm-hmm. doing the giving same him the stinky him. mitt, and they only gave it to Stastny for some reason. Um, and then they didn't review the second Stars goal for interference at all, which I don't think it was, but... There was some reason to look at maybe, you know, Stastny had been pushed into Allen and that just wasn't questioned. Um, and then mo- I think most egregious- egregiously was uh, the really bad call on Edmondson late in a tied division game when you want to see them bury the whistle. Uh, Eddie commented on that saying he started at first, which uh, is. A child's, child's play <laughs> statement. So I wish he hadn't said that, but he said he kind of shoved me. So we went back and forth, and then I just kind of grabbed onto him. When the whistle blew, I thought he was calling both players, and the next thing you know, I was the only one. I didn't agree with the call. It's a tight game. It's kind of a rough uh, one to swallow. Uh, oh yeah, no, excuse me. It's kind of a rough game, and when you only take one guy after that, it's a tough one to swallow. Uh, But I'm not going to make excuses for myself. There's three minutes left in the game. I can't take a penalty, which is the right attitude for him kind of on both sides to admit it's a bad call and still to admit that he made a mistake. Uh, He made another mistake when he (laughs) whacked the puck down the ice on his way to the box, which earned him a game misconduct. Uh, He said it was kind of selfish of me to take that, but at that point he was out of the game. Mm -hmm. Regardless uh, the way it unfolded. Uh, So, uh, 
Yo also backed up Edmondson by saying the call at the end of the game was ridiculous. There's scrums all night, and we end up short twice in those situations. Not sure how you make that call, but it is what it is, which is as close as an NHL come, coach comes to just cussing out the refs in a press <laughs> conference. Uh, is very politely and passive-aggressively complaining about it. Uh, so I think, I think we could have lost this game with fair officiating, too. I don't think we played... Supremely yeah. well, but I definitely think this is one where the officiating had an impact more than it should have. Um, I think the other thing to just take away from this game is uh, the Blues really have an inability to capitalize on momentum, or or they have had, and I think uh, we will need to continue to monitor it. Uh, when we had the five-on-three, that's one example of not capitalizing yeah, on a situation. Sure. But even more egregious than that, I think, is when we scored the two goals in 65 seconds to take the lead, we can never bury a team. We can never go and score that third and even fourth goal and really mm-hmm. just put the pedal to the metal, so to speak, put the foot on the throat and finish the game. Uh, I, I kind of think of the analogy of like a USC fight where a guy hits a couple of big punches and staggers his opponent or her opponent. And then uh, when the guy's sort of down, but not, you know, the ref hasn't called for the knockout. If you watch UFC fights, what a good UFC fighter does is just jump on top of their downed opponent and pummel them until the ref <laughs> pulls them off of him and calls the match. And the Blues, uh, in that same situation, just kind of watch their opponent stand up and throw haymakers of their own, you know? And I just think the Blues need to really work on that. Um, and we'll talk about some other situations where they could have done that mm-hmm. overall. Um, I think, you know, just to kind of put a, a neater bow on this game, it was an ugly loss because of the weirdness of it. Um, it's strange because Allen hasn't played since, so we don't know how he was affected, as we'll talk about Um but, uh, you know, it was his fault we lost, according to a lot of Blues fans, so that's good to know. Uh, but in any case, um, it was a fine enough effort. It was a far cry, I would say, from some of the really bad losses we had in the week or two prior to this, and it was what it was. And mm-hmm. so uh, with that, I will let you take the Carolina Hurricanes game, unless you had something more to say, because I feel like I didn't give you a lot of room to <laughs> breathe in there. No, Dallas game just felt like... I think we talked about it. I don't know if you've mentioned on the podcast at all, but it was just a new way to lose. We, yeah. hadn't, we hadn't lost in that way yet yeah. with a crappy late penalty. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like we had a string of ways where we were just finding new ways a to lose. A weird injury and a crappy late penalty. Like, check those Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I thought there was going to be a new way to lose uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes, but thankfully it was not. The startless three-game winning streak we got going. And this game... We played with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen against the Hurricane. This was when we had, I believe we had, yeah, done in. And I don't know who we had taken out as far as a forward goes. But this moved Upshaw. ARV maybe wasn't playing. Yeah, or Sunquist. I, one of yeah. those one of those crazy Swedes. But <laughs> It's always a Swede. Just <laughs> assume it's a Swede. I believe in the Dallas game, if they didn't start there, they definitely got moved up. But Upshaw and Brodziak in this game... Started on the top nine, Upshaw with Shen and Tarasenko mm-hmm. and Brodziak with Steen and Berglund, and they looked pretty good there. Uh, you had a, a quote on the line changes, and he said, we looked at these three games, three games where we have the opportunity to make the last change and put a shutdown line together. Not just a line that's going to be out there and defend all the time, 
but they can defend and still build our own team identity and force the other team's top players to have to defend against them. Mm-hmm. I thought those guys, Steenbergy and Brodziak, for example, did a great job for us in this game. And I think they really did. I think this, I kind of like Upshaw with uh, Tarasenko and Shem because he's kind of a weird, Weirdly older Schwartz. Player, yeah, yeah a, a, more, a more energy, less skill Schwartz, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say. And he kind of fits the bill for them. Um, and then, like we said, Brodziak looked really good. In fact, he scored early in the first from pass from Steen. Steen was behind the net and passed it to Brodziak in front, who buried it. Uh, these are goals I like to see scored. I swear we never do any mm. passing from behind the net to in front, or at least if we do, it's just a terrible pass between like five sticks. <laughs> but I, I think it works well off the rush because you're getting players to skate back with you, and then they have to stop on a dime and sort of read mm-hmm. the play, and that's kind of how this one unfolded. Um, Berglund also had a goal where he played catch with Petrangelo in a two-on-one. That was a real pretty one. Yeah, Bergdog scored for his sixth of the season. Uh, this is in the first minute of the second period. We looked we looked pretty good. We looked like we had we had the juices flowing against Carolina. Who it's kind of interesting. I swear by just an eye test. Whenever we play Carolina, mm-hmm. we play a really hard fought game against them. They're another one of those random Eastern Conference teams that. We have a hard time beating. I swear they're always close games. I mean, this ends up being another close game. We could have put them up, put up three nothing against the Hurricane in the second, when uh, Darling had lost a stick on a power play that we were on. And again, much like the five on three, we looked lifeless. I don't know if we even got a shot on we net. We did not. Yes, certainly not while we had the stick off the ice. Yeah, it least. was off in the corner. We were looking for the perfect shot. I understand slightly mm-hmm. that you want to try and get a nice shot because you don't want him to freeze it and then be able to get his stick back but yeah. he's going to get it back at some point just like just start firing like i don't don't you don't have to be that cerebral about it which i think is a whole another argument with this team is uh-huh. i think sometimes they think way too much mm-hmm. which i used to think was a hitch problem but i guess might just be a personnel problem yeah um but this was also a sad play because uh dunn did fire a shot it missed the net it rimmed around the boards out of the zone and that's when uh the hurricanes player had jumped out on from the box and was able to grab the puck and bury it behind hutton sort of went across the crease mm-hmm. when he grabbed it from the corner uh it was just an ugly play overall it's a comedy of errors yeah yeah it was pretty disgusting to watch us not get a single shot and then get scored on i feel like this happens plenty yeah against us yeah i think so if I can interrupt you yeah. real quick with a couple of quotes. Uh, Yo uh, told Jeremy Rutherford that he was also saying shoot with the <laughs> 18,000 fans on hand at Scott Trade Center. He said, I was with the rest of the fans there for sure. And then Vince Dunn said it was kind of an unfortunate play. It comes around and goes the other way. I don't know what we were all seeing. Just maybe too many passes, which is the understatement <laughs> of the century. Maybe that was what made Dunn sick because he set out the next two games of the mm-hmm. illness. So that might just be that nasty play that got him. (laughs) I forgot to mention those Derek Ryan on that jumping out of the box and scoring. It's almost like a shorthanded goal, really. The power play had Mm. dissolved at that point. but jumping out of the box was the end of the Yeah, so there you go. Uh, Lucas Walmark for the Hurricane also scored later in the second half after Noah Hannafin also posts up behind the net and 
pops it out front for uh, Walmart to score on. So again, really great. Love to see any scoring play like that. Wish the Blues would do more of that. <laughs> a lot of behind-the-net play. That was uh, Walmart's first goal of the season, or first goal of his career, rather. And uh, Carter Hutton said, the kid got his first goal. At least to always remember, it was on me. So <laughs> I love his attitude That's very nice that. of him. That's pretty cool. And then Upshaw, this is a... This is a night of where all our little grinders that got moved up the line actually did a fairly good job. He got the game-winning goal in the third period off a nice dish from Shen. It really did kind of look like a, a scorer's goal. It was kind of low under the pad, under Darling, and mm-hmm. it looked really nice. It was uh, I almost thought it was Tarasenko, actually, because I just caught that it was uh, double numbers and not a single digit. I was like, oh, boy. Although, is he nine? He is nine. Mm-hmm. Maybe I caught the nine. Yeah. That's what I caught. I was lying to you. <laughs> um this is a quote from Upshaw. He said, it was definitely a great opportunity for everyone to step up and take one take on more responsibility and play in more situations. You keep your head down, work hard, and when you get the opportunity, you make the best of it. Yo grabbed Magnus Payarvi and me right at the start of the third, and he said we were going to throw us in the mix. We'd be all over the place. The next shift, he had me with Shen and Tarasenko, and we had a good opportunity. He just came back to us, and we got a big goal. It's funny, I like to think that he grabbed them like by the shoulder and put his head between two and goes, you suckers are moving up the lineup. And you're like, yes. I but, hope so. I hope that's exactly <laughs> how it went. So this could have been another loss. The hurricane <laughs> did come on late. So it looked, it most certainly looked like they were going to tie it up. I know that kind of happens with any team that's behind mm-hmm. and is going to try and push. But overall, I thought it was a good game. I thought we looked composed for the most part of it, other than the power play, which we can kind of touch on. I know you sort of had a nice remark on Twitter about kind of what you noticed on the yeah, power we play. Yeah, can, we can actually move that to the New Jersey game because okay. I think that's the game I noticed it. Gotcha. Uh, but just overall, kind of a lifeless power play as we've touched, as we've mm-hmm. discussed. I'll hit it when we get there, not to controvert no. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say with that uh, game, that was Hutton and Net, and so... The Blues versus the Devils was seeing Hutton in a second straight game. Uh, probably well-deserved. I think it's also nice to kind of give Allen a little bit of a break. Not that he necessarily needed one for any sort of performance, but he also has played actually the most amount of games by any goalie mm-hmm. in the NHL currently. So it is kind of nice to have him sit for just a little bit. Uh, Dunn was out sick in this Devils game, so we were back to 12 forwards and six defensemen. Yeah, I really did think he got scratched because he looked a little iffy. I mean, scratched due to like... How he's playing, right. but you know this probably helps him out too. Uh, Hutton, like I said, Hutton, Hutton started in this game. Uh, Tarasenko started the scoring in the first period. Scotty Upshaw fired one wide on the net. It went uh, just to the right of Kincaid, bounced off the end boards, and came to Tarasenko, sort of right to the side of the net at a weird angle, kind of close an angle, and he was able to put it home. Uh, this was also a game we're going to talk about where uh, Hutton got a lot of amazing saves. There was one where he kind of traveled out of the net, which is always scary for either of our goalies. I don't really like seeing it. Hutton went over to the corner to retrieve a puck. Uh, both our defensemen sort of mm. just left him out to dry. I think they thought he had a clear pass to one of them, but uh, Col- Coleman rather was all over Hutton and was able to steal it from him. Hutton was able to kind of shuffle back to the net real quick and made a real amazing save yeah. on Coleman, which was the start of a couple. One of like eight. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, real saves that was already game. a pretty amazing one. And yeah, that was in the first period alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nico Heischer tips it in in the second period from a shot at the blue line past Hutton. And then I think a little bit later, well, I guess in the third period, 
Saboka robbed Tage Thompson of his third goal of the season, <laughs> which is a roundabout way of saying Saboka scored on a tip-in from a Tage Thompson shot. But not even with his stick, like yeah. with his body. I think everyone in the crowd, when we heard that it was a correction and they announced it as Saboka, which is always kind of fun because they kind of replay the organ and everything, uh-huh. and it's like 10 minutes later, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't just score, and people were just kind of like, yeah. I wish Towel Guy would come back down and just kind of like <laughs> half-heartedly throw yeah. another towel, like whatever. <laughs> But I, I thought it was a really good play by Thompson. He was moving up the boards of the puck. He faked a pass to uh, Edmondson, and it got Palmieri to bite. And then he was able to skate into the middle of the ice, which is a novelty on this team. This team <laughs> loves to just skate in the corner, which yeah. I get. You're wearing down the team, but no one seems to ever try and utilize the middle of the ice. And he had a really nice look on it. I don't know if it was going to go in if it hadn't touched the Boca, but it was a really nice shot either way. And it was his first assist in the NHL, so it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor yeah. Hall... Scored for the Devils in the third period after that, which I don't know the stat. I was going to look it up, but Taylor Hall, a thousand, I, a thousand goals. Yeah. <laughs> He's scored on the Blues a thousand times. <laughs> I swear every time Taylor Hall plays us, he scores at least one goal. Mm-hmm. And this one was definitely an interesting one because he scored it from kind of the corner of the boards behind the goal line. Just shot it at Hutton's back and it went in, uh-huh. which they have been doing all night. I had told my dad when we were at this game, I was like, they're throwing it at his feet. They're just trying to give him to move. I bet you at least, they at least get one because they've been doing it so many times, and there they did. Mm-hmm. Can I interrupt you for one moment that for a total aside? Earlier you mentioned the Taylor Hall statistic, and I was talking about some other guy oh, that yeah. used to always kill the boys. I remember who it was. It was Chris Stewart. Do you remember how before we traded for Chris Stewart, he was just oh, a yeah. monster against us? Like, he was good like he he was at his yeah. career best in Colorado but like before we traded for him we, he just murdered us all the time mm-hmm. so i think that may have been who i was thinking on we've got a few i know maybe it was a couple of years ago or ended a couple of years ago but steen used to score every time we played mm-hmm. the Canucks because I remember it specifically because we used to lose to them all the time. Like, well, Steen scored again, though. <laughs> I remember reading, like, a game day thread where Canucks fans like, I really hate this dude. I think Sagan and Ben are both pretty good against us, Ben especially, but I always... It's that 2010 draft. Yeah. When you, when you point out those guys who are already the yeah. all-stars on their team, I'm kind of like... <laughs> Ovechkin's yeah, probably scored on us. Yeah, a lot exactly. Too. <laughs> I was just thinking that the other day when McDavid scored on us, and I was like, I remember thinking I was going to be angry about this when he did uh-huh. this all the time because he's in our conference, and I don't care already. Yeah, I was like, okay, he's really good. Got it. <laughs> Team still sucks. Oh. Move on. I say so after the Hall goal, it was tied two two, and then uh, Jesper Brat, which I love the name. Oh, Jesper uh, had he's scored the go ahead goal for the Devils, but the Blues took a long, hard look at the replay and decided to challenge it <laughs> for offsides. That's a call. It was. Uh, uh, as you listeners probably yeah. know now, the penalty for getting that call wrong is a two-minute minor penalty, mm. just like slashing a dude's arm off. As we were <laughs> Well, I guess if his arm comes off, the guy will probably bleed, and it'll be a four-minute minor. But. So on the board, or on the video board, they had shown the play, because it was kind of a long play. They'd been in the mm. zone for a while. 15 uh, seconds, I think. Yeah, and at one point, uh, Blues almost cleared it. And that's what they showed initially as like Ooh. what was being challenged. That was not close to offsides <laughs> at all. And I remember just grabbing my head and be like, oh my gosh, what were they looking at? It's going to be 3 2 with a power play. Why? But then they found the, the, the right video clip. Uh-huh. Even then, it looked pretty close. 
it was more it wasn't even him with the skate over the line it was more the fact that whoever it was had their skate up off the ice mm-hmm. and had their other foot in yeah which it took has about, often been the problem yeah it took about five minutes for them or what at least felt like five minutes from a look at this i didn't think they were going to overturn it after that much time mm-hmm. of it being looked at i was absolutely surprised that they did uh jr had talked a little bit in the athletic about what yo had seen uh he said in those situations the blues rely on the fifth-year video coach, Sean Farrell, to make the call. He's stationed in his office, monitoring multiple angles on the NHL's Hawkeye system. Yo said when the puck goes in, he's already looked at it, and he's radioing into us what we should do. Farrell saw that 15 seconds prior to the goal, New Jersey left-winger Marcus Johansson seemed to have entered the offensive zone ahead of the puck with his back skate off the ice. Yo says, I kept asking, are you sure? Are you sure? I gave, him, I gave him a chance to change his mind, but I'm glad that he didn't. It was close. It was really close, but a great job by him. And then JR goes on to say, after review, Johansson was ruled to have been offsides and the goal was negated. This was, yeah, we can talk about this now because this is the best time to talk about it, but I'm glad that we made that challenge. I'm glad that it was 2-2. And then we went on to win this game in a shootout. I'll mention also that Carter Hutton made an absolutely bonkers save in OT. Then he went on to make... Which was uh, Sports Center's fifth top oh, play was of the it? week. Anytime um, hockey's in Only it. because oh. you had to put <laughs> four very commonplace dunks ahead of it. You know? Oh, I know. They're like, ooh, did the he best, jump? The save that may legitimately win hockey save of the year... On the 2nd of has January. ...has to be behind, you know... Th- Three or four random NBA dunks. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say <laughs> that's my little bitterness <laughs> towards ESPN Disney, which is which will be uh, interesting um, to see if we get any more highlights when the Olympics come along. Yeah, because then they'll have to cover that's double the hockey. I guess so. Maybe, but then then the shootout. Shannon Tarasenko scored, so we won three two. Um, but we'll go back. What I want to talk about after yeah, covering all of that. That overtime period real quick was yeah. just one-sided as all oh, hell. It was real bad. I, I Yo mean, put out a Berglundstein <laughs> Bo Meester lineup, which I we, Bo Meester might be fast still, but he's your defenseman who does not score. Yeah. Why is that a lineup? Put Thompson out there. At least, yeah. And the, th- the weird thing about that was I feel like we usually look okay on the three-on-three. And mm. granted, we don't have Schwartz right now, but like... We've got enough skill players and enough defensively responsible players to strike that healthy mm. mix, but we did not do it this time, <laughs> and it was all Carter Hutton carrying us to this win. Well, while we're on kind of a little uh, tangent here, there's a fun fact about shootout win. Mm-hmm. Like, it was 3-2 victory, but both teams only scored two goals. Well, fun fact, that extra goal that the team gets for the shootout victory obviously doesn't count for anybody. It's nobody's goal. Mm-hmm. But it does count for your team's goals for historically weird so it's no one's goal but it is your team's goal does it count like in the standings of like goal differential or i don't know if it counts i don't know if that ever matters anyway but i know i read somewhere that it's not the main breaker but i know that historically like in record it is so like as the Blues have ten thousand three hundred and thirteen yeah. goals as opposed to what you know. I'm it was made of numbers yeah. on the spot. It was made a stink of because some Leafs player in the last couple of days scored a goal. It was their twenty thousandth goal. The Leafs as a franchise. But 40-something of them are shootout victory goals. Oh, wow. And so it's like, 
Mm, is that your twenty? Just don't count them. Yeah. Why? Just yeah. don't count them. Yeah, I agree. But anyways, that's fun. That's a fun little thing there. Little factoid. You learn that from Dangle. Mm. Yeah. You learn a lot from Dangle. <laughs> um, Steve Dangle podcast, folks, check it out. But not before ours. Not before. Yeah, you can check that out in a second. But the bigger story of all this from this game though was. The offsides review, like yes. I said. Sorry we, for carrying us. <laughs> oh no, I walked. You walked there us bit. there, and I ran us away from the topic. <laughs> but I'm glad we got it in our favor. But it's just such a dumb. The penalty you get for making it's dumb. The fact that you're kind of allowed to do it is dumb. Mm-hmm. If it's such a big egregious offsides, I would hope they'd catch it. And if it's so minute, it's not changing the game I agree. at all. I agree. And if they're going to stick with us, too, I think they really got to do uh, the NFL, which seems kind of odd to compare the two, but a plane system, you got to break the plane. Like, if you have oh, one yeah, foot yeah. on the ice and you have your other leg behind the line or whatever above the yeah. line is nonsense then you can say me. you can say fine he's offside you have all of you's got to be yeah. on or whatever what frustrates me is like a quarter centimeter of your skateboard could be touching the furthest towards goal side mm-hmm. of the line and you're on side but your whole skate is above the line and you're off it's that's like, what i mean so you're nonsense. further back but you're on sides yeah. or your off sides. Yeah. yeah. It's dumb. They need to fix it. I really think the GMs have to get together and figure out what they want because it's like, it's such a killer. I hate it. It's taken away at least one, maybe even two goals last year for the Blues in the playoffs. And it's infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe two years ago, I know there were some against the Sharks too, but it may have been both mm-hmm. years. Um, I have a, several thoughts on this, not to get too professorial. No, I'll try to run through them <laughs> real quickly. But, I mean, cre- first of all, credit to Sean Farrell and the Blues staff to have the guts to make the challenge. This is their second mm-hmm. of the year, and they've won both of them, though the NHL, for some reason, later slapped us in the face by saying the Colorado <laughs> one we won shouldn't have been overturned. I was waiting for them to which, say that on this one, too. Which I, I don't care. We won the game. So... Um, with that said, and I am glad it went our way, but with that said, if a review takes five minutes, this is my biggest pet mm-hmm. peeve with all reviews in every sport anywhere, because the standard is always said to be indisputable evidence. And the fact of the matter is, if a review takes five minutes, nothing's indisputable. <laughs> like, that's that's preposterous mm-hmm. that you could overturn a call at that point. So that really frustrates me. It totally breaks out the flow of the game. I'm just watching at home. I can do other things. You're mm-hmm. probably, you were at this game. I, I checked Twitter. Like, I think I checked Facebook. I'm sure it was just miserable. It was still going. Um, <laughs> they go through all your songs. They go, tell you know, tell me something good. Yeah. <laughs> they do your phone line, the ELO song. I don't know if they go for that. That's kind of a deep cut. Yeah. If Let it be, a, if, it's, if they if want it's, it to yeah, be involved. exactly. All your hits. Exactly. All your, all your, all your referee offside <laughs> review classic. No, that's what I you call referee that time music. Classic, <laughs> that Time Life collection of referee <laughs> review music. Uh, I'll be watching you maybe every step you take. But <laughs> um, in any case, uh, we'll have to do a separate podcast that's, describing this That's a whole bonus soundtrack. episode. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just... If it's if it takes that long, it's not indisputable. Uh, but the the biggest thing, the bigger bugaboo to me, is just 
of which I think is twice I've said that now. So I guess I'm an old woman now. <laughs> but the idea that after the refs take five minutes to review a call, the Blues could be the ones challenged for delay or charged with delay of game uh, is preposterous to me. Um, I think it's good to limit bad challenges. I got in a back and forth with a guy on Twitter. Our account did. It was me, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, just about this this issue, and he was much more fair, much more on the side of the NHL anyway. And he said, and I will believe him, that I thought they were limited to one per game, but I guess they weren't. Oh, really? Uh, with that said, I never remember this being a problem where coaches would challenge every little thing. I don't remember that at all. Mm-hmm. I maybe, maybe it's a rose-colored glasses thing, but it's definitely not something I remember. Um, and I just think they went too far in the opposite direction where the – all the sports leagues are always walking this weird line of get the call right, but also don't encourage challenging. And it's like, which do you want it to be? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I think I'm really strongly in favor uh, of a, uh, like a one minute minor for this sort of thing. And even for like delay of game, unintentional delay of game, with the puck going over the boards and that sort of stuff. Because the idea that those sort of things, even too many men on the ice, the idea that those sorts of things are like the same penalty as slashing to me is a problem. But even if it's just for this one thing, because it's Mm. so different from, because those still affect the game that's being played, you know, I just, I really do uh, support that. And then the last thing is, I just think that the, uh, there are a lot of shifts that need to be made to the standard of offsides, and I've gone way longer than I meant to. <laughs> but just um, if possesses ch- if possession changes hands after the offsides, like it did here, and the Blues got the puck back and tried to clear it, that, there's no way you should overturn that call. Mm-hmm. It's the offsides didn't do anything to the goal at this point. Um, I think if the puck uh, crosses, I would say even if the puck crosses the goal line, I mean not that into the goal obviously mm-hmm. but like behind the yeah. net almost would be a standard of just line, like yeah. that's not the offsides doesn't affect it anymore and certainly if it's more than like five seconds and this was 15 in the zone like i'm a blues fan i want this call to be over overturned but the idea that the offsides in any way helped new jersey score the goal is preposterous yeah so i just want wholesale changes here and now that i'm off my horse are you uh finished covering yeah. this game or <laughs> i'm off my horse <laughs> can i talk leave yeah no no no. um that was i enjoyed the devil's game a lot i thought hutton looked i think i know we kind of glossed over a little bit but you Starter, saw hut. yeah but you you probably saw the game yeah, he looked I mean, we amazing could, we could talk for an hour and a half alone about how great he was in this yeah. game but you know it. Yeah. Our tweet of the week this week. We'll go ahead and do this here just okay. to wrap up the coverage of that. But a uh, shout out to at Crosscheck Rays, who I believe is a contributor to uh, St. Louis Game Time, who tweeted Carter Hutton for first star, Vesna Hall of Fame, and best adapted screenplay. Just <laughs> everything, which made me chuckle heartily after the game. <laughs> but I think is a, a fair, fair, uh, summary of what his game was it was i mean he was the whole reason we won this game mm-hmm. um and kudos to him the the sort of ironic thing is though that i believe the goal that would have been a, allowed on the offsides penalty was kind of a weak one yeah. as he's especially as well as he's been playing lately so it's kind of funny that that's the one that you know was erased but uh that is not to discredit him in any way 
Um, did you have anything more to say about this game, sincerely, before we move mm-hmm. on? Um, we'll talk about tonight's game, and I think we'll do it pretty quickly because mm-hmm. it's one of the more straightforward games we've played in a long time. Uh, the Blues face the Vegas Golden Knights, who are obviously the story of the year in the NHL this year, and they are one of the hottest teams in the NHL currently. They entered the game tonight uh with an eighth-game winning streak, which was the longest active streak in hockey, uh, Carter Hutton got his third consecutive start. start excuse me, um, and like you said, I think it is good for Allen to get a little time off, especially with the week coming up that we're getting off anyway for the bye week ish mm-hmm. thing. Uh, as long as it doesn't fester into something more controversial than that. Um, but I think I mean I think the Blues. This was one of their better games for in terms of overall effort mm-hmm. for a long time. They played a really good, really hungry team. There's no doubt that the compete level, if you will allow me to use that <laughs> term, of the Knights is very high and has been all season. Uh, the Blues came out really hot, and then Alex Steen scored a goal, his first in a long time, nine minutes and thirty five seconds into the first period, assisted by Shannon Pareko. Uh, it was a nice little goal, nothing spectacular about it, but it was a good reward for um, the effort that mm. I think they rightly displayed yeah. in the uh, second and first period. And they entered the intermission one up, one nothing. Uh, the second period, I think, tilted a little more towards the um, Knights, but not in the typical Blues disappear during the second period sort of way. I just think it was sort of the natural ebbs and flow of a good game between two good teams. Uh, Eric Howland netted his 15th goal of the season. That was weird to read. Uh, really? Yeah. That was weird to I, hear. I wrote that earlier, but I guess I didn't register it. Huh. Uh, James Neal and uh, David Perron with the assist. Perron has 23 assists. Good for him. Um, what is this team? <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird Frankenstein, but this one's like a good athlete. And it works. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Frankenstein. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. <laughs> um, but in any case, yeah, I mean, it. I, I'm flying through this game only because <laughs> there's not there's no extracurricular thing. There weren't a lot of penalties. Mm. There's you know, it was just a natural hockey game that was really focused on the play on the ice. Um, the Blues ultimately scored in the third period. Uh, Paul Stastny uh, found a puck. The puck had gotten behind Mark Andre Fleury, who played really well all night. Both Fleury and Hutton played really well all night. Um, and it ended up resting right on the post, and no one could find it. And uh, real credit to the refs. I don't know if they saw it or not, or were just reading the body language, but real credit to them for burying the whistle and not mm-hmm. uh, blowing the play dead. But Stastny saw the puck uh, that was nestled just on the post, basically, and got a splinter of his stick to it as he skated past, and it was enough to push it over the line and end. Um, heads up play by him. Saboka and Pareko got assists. Um, and it, it's good. I think we were talking during the game, those two guys in particular, Stastny and Saboka. Um, but I think overall we're seeing more contribution from the second and third line guys. Mm-hmm. Saboka had been ice cold for a while and is back to contributing a fair amount. Um 
it's natural that when the team's really bad, those guys won't be the contributors, and mm-hmm. you don't necessarily expect them to step up first, but it's good to see them stepping up as the team as a whole steps up. They kind of deserve it. We yeah. talked about how they're Steen and Saboka especially are really good in like the neutral zone, defensive mm-hmm. zone, really good kind of grinder slash, I don't know, older skill type guys. And I think people have been harping on them more, well, this whole team really for not scoring. And it's kind of nice, like you said, to see them be able to contribute in that way. Yeah. feel more like a full, I don't know, a full player, a player that's playing up to their potential. Yeah, agreed. And uh, that was really all she wrote for this game. I mean, the the Knights made a good late surge and put a lot of pressure on, but the Blues didn't break. And this wasn't even one of those situations where they had just two minutes of constant pressure. The Blues didn't have any great chances on the empty net, but we they got some, some pups, stoppages yeah. and got it cleared once or twice. And uh, we held on, held on for a really important victory against a really good team uh, that I think speaks highly of our team right now. Um yeah, I guess not a lot else to say <laughs> on this it. one. Uh, Steen, with his goal, caught uh, Keith to Ch- Keith Kachuk uh, for eighth on the St. Louis Blues all-time oh, point wow. list uh, with 427 points. Um, one stat they mentioned after the game that I thought was very interesting was um, that the, this is only the third time all season the Knights have been held to one or fewer goals, which is absurd. I mean, mm-hmm. absurd. I think before the we game... We have more shutouts yeah. than that, and we're not the even game, a bad they said, team. Uh, they said that they scored an average of 3.5 goals. Yeah, that's absurd. This team's we c- unbelievable. I'm happy when we get to two. <laughs> yeah, I really am. Uh, and but, but good, I mean, credit to the Blues... Uh, I think they to played take that yeah. game to them, and I think they played one of their better games of the season. Yeah, I don't mean to harp on the Blues too much, but it's, no, go for it's it. one of their rare occurrences. It's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> one of those rare occurrences where they're playing a team that's as good or better than them, and they've really stepped it up to match that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times we're kind of thinking, well, you know, we are good enough, and we don't put in the effort. We're like, we got to mm-hmm. show them that we're good enough. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this will be an interesting weekend for the Blues because they have at Philadelphia and at Washington back-to-back and weird afternoon time games, I guess, to try and avoid NFL playoff action, but not really. I was going to say, how would they know that's the day, but they wouldn't. They'd have that schedule in hand. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. Um, And then we play Florida, uh, the Panthers, the night of the ninth on Tuesday. And then after that, we get our week-long by week break. Um, so I would beyond love to see us take all three of those games. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime, but especially going into the break. But um, I think it'd be really crucial for them to get two out of the three and just have a nice, confident, easygoing feeling heading into their week on mm-hmm. the beach or wherever they'll be going. Um, I don't know if they're taking the kind of team trip that they've done in years past where. They all escape someplace but still do some practices and stuff. I assume they might do that. Mm. I assume they don't just get to part ways and not think about hockey <laughs> for a week. But I, I think it's coming at a good time for the Blues. I think actually if this break had come a week ago, it would have been disastrous uh, just because of where our head was at. And then we even talked about getting that real critical win, I think, against Edmonton before the Christmas 
break, mm-hmm. which is shorter than this one, but just having the momentum at the right times. And of course, that would change if we get swept in these three games. Yeah. But um, good time for a break for them. And good time for maybe Doug Armstrong to do some negotiating. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about that, I guess, when the time comes. A little shorter this week, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> overall time. Uh, we don't have as much to rant about when. We're playing better. You were <laughs> um, so right. When they're winning, less to talk about. When yeah. they're losing, just so much <laughs> yeah, to be exactly. angry about. So uh, we will leave you uh, now, and we will see you again next Thursday. Until then, uh, keep up with us on Twitter, at Two Guys No Cup. We have a lot of fun interacting with you guys there. If you ever want to send us questions to uh, talk about, as Garrett did today, um, please feel free to do so. And... Uh, We will talk to you next week. See ya.